Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. Hi, my name is Gail, Gail Charmaine Dale Young. <laughs> I am. I live in Florida currently. I was born in Jamaica and I lived there until I was 19 and I came here for university and basically stayed. And what would you like to share about your ancestry? Oh my gosh, just so much. I, I mean, <laughs> you sure you want it to be that broad? <laughs> or like, okay, or you're like two generations. If we go back just two generations. <laughs> well, okay. I, my father, my grand, I knew, I, interestingly, and I, I think this is probably, this is just my take on it, but I know a lot about my ancestry in terms of the, the white slave laborers. Like we came from a Scottish descent, but interestingly, I even talked to my aunt and we don't know our African descent. You see what I mean? You know how, what was highlighted. I just thought that was such an interesting dynamic in our process. Like I know we're from Scottish descent, but I don't know where African descent comes from. And I just thought I was, and I'm black, you know, so I just thought it was so interesting how that's what got passed down in our line of stories, as opposed to, you know, we're Nigerian or we're, you know, we know a lot of Jamaicans are from Nigeria, but we don't know, you know, I just don't even know about my particular lineage. I I, I want to do that ancestry.com eventually, but mm -hmm. yeah, 
story that got passed on. I just thought that was interesting. You know, why the whites and not the black story? You know what I mean? That is interesting because my mom told me, so my great, great grandmother was a full-blooded Irish woman in Jamaica and she married a, a black man in Jamaica. So on your side of the family, there's Scottish descent. Yeah, they're Scottish um, and, and Indian. So like my grandmother was Indian. My grandfather was black. Um, mm. Because a lot of Indians settled as well in Jamaica. And so um, obviously there's a lot of, you know, intermarriage and stuff like that. So, yeah. So my mom, you know, like she has Indian hair. Mm-hmm. And my, my mom and dad are, are black Jamaicans. Um, so but I, I do come. I know we come from a long I mean, we're at least from the slave owner. We are at least four generations of black slash Indian slash, you know, like that lived in Jamaica. I, I think I am the first generation, you know, one of the first that, um, no, you guys were before me probably, but, um, yeah, because most of at least four generations above me lived, settled in Jamaica and my generation, my generation, now a lot of us have di- diversified and are now all over, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're the first graduate of Howard University that I'm interviewing. So I'm really excited about that. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I can't wait to hear your stories. I'm really excited for you to share about your life living and working during the COVID-19 pandemic. And if you want to start either the end of 2019 or start in 2020 and just tell us the story about life. So basically, um, it was a very challenging time for many. I mean, for, for all of us, I, I, I can't even imagine. Um, for people who are less, um, people who are, um, you know, are so much poorer or just, just have different levels of advantages or disadvantages of their life. But I know for me, um, it was particularly trying. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Not because you know, we were locked up or not because of any of those reasons that are so obvious. I mean, I'm talking about to know and I'm crying because, you know, I was, you know, I guess how many years now, I got 2010. So 12 years ago, I graduated, you know, and I was a PhD graduate in public health. (laughs) But, you know, during the pandemic, it was such a hard time for me because everything that I had been trained to do and, everything I, um, you know, knew, um, I literally, I'm now a stay at home mom. And so I was like, I'm not being used. I'm not being, you know, I need to be, you know, volunteering or I need to be, get a new job that I can help in that capacity. And, you know, and, you know, it was very, very challenging for me to not be able to serve in that way. I was trained to be served. So it's like everything I knew, I just kept seeing unraveling the pandemic. You know, this is going to happen. I so saw every social media campaign you were trained to do or not do happening. I saw the interaction of the CDC and the government and that strain that that caused. And it was just, for me, it was so much turmoil because I feel like to whom much is given, much is expected. And I was just so broken. To know that I couldn't give back in the way that I needed to give back in that way. And of course, you know, I, my life, my journey during the pandemic was, you know, I guess I looked at it so differently because I was just so blessed during the pandemic. I, 
you know, we got, we got COVID maybe to, towards, you know, the end of, um, we got it last year, really. So we, we, the whole time we never got COVID, but we did mm-hmm. have, you know, one of my cousins very early in the pandemic, he was a frontline worker and he died and I had to call my 95 year old aunt to just express sympathy, you know, for having to bury her son who was 50, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, that part of it was really challenging. Um, I know for me, one of my dearest aunts, um, she was 90. I li- and I turned like a special birthday in COVID. I turned 45 and my mom turned 75. And, um, you know, I, that year of 20, what year is it? 2021, 2020, that year of 20, 2020, um, we stayed, we didn't go home. No, we traveled that year. So in other words, we didn't miss a beat going home. We decided that we were going to, if we're going to have to deal with a pandemic, we're going to go home and be with our family, (laughs) you know? Oh, in Jamaica? Yeah. So we literally went home and were there for almost two months with our parents. And my dad turned 80, my mom turned 75, I turned 45. So we were able to just celebrate in a special way. And that was just, so I just felt like I was so blessed during the pandemic, like, so all of the stuff that was going on, being locked up, being all of that, that wasn't my struggle as much, you know, because I feel mm-hmm. like I, um, and the reason it, it, it was a struggle, but it, it wasn't as much for me because that's not what I was focusing on. I was focusing on, oh my gosh, you know, um, well, first of all, how the structure of my life is really, is that, you know, we have a very close church, church community. So I didn't feel isolated because we just took everything on Zoom. We didn't miss a beat. So I had my women's meeting, my prayer group. You know, we had, you know, everything was on Zoom. We had church on Zoom. We could watch Sunday. So I didn't feel disconnected from my church family or from from that. So that that part was just a total blessing because I really didn't feel that disconnect that so many people felt individually. Mm -hmm. Of course, my husband started working from home. My kids, you know, did homeschooling. I have two kids. So that, and, and one of my dreams, my secret dreams in life was that everybody was good. Cause I had been working prior to the pandemic. I was working at home since 2012. So um, my kids were not homeschooled and my husband was working outside the home. So one of my secret dreams was to have everybody like homeschooling my kids and my husband working from home. So when the pandemic hit, my, one of my prayer partners said, mm-hmm, you got your dream. And then I was like, okay, just kidding, God. Go out. <laughs> hey, but the kids got to go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but no, no, no. I mean, and all just aside, I mean, you know, I just, I, I had to trans transform that thinking of, um, oh my gosh, I'm not being used, um, you know, in my professional capacity. Um, I mean, yeah, I was teaching part-time and, you know, I teach, you know, for adjunct and all of that, but that it just wasn't the same in terms of the capacity that I just felt like I should have been. Mm-hmm. And one of my partners truly just encouraged me to remember that I was serving my family and that's a revolution happening in my home that I needed to be a part of and to help form and shape and encourage 
um, their hearts and minds. You know, I have young children, 12 and eight, in terms of, you know, not letting them feel scared about this process. This is, this you know, they're living in history because this has had this. And I, and I was able to educate them about the, you know, the, the 1918 pandemic and, you know, all that I studied. And so they were like, okay, mom, we got it. Like, we got it. <laughs> But they were getting all the lessons that most kids probably weren't getting at that time, you know, in terms of just educating them that this is what happened a hundred years ago. And, you know, this has come full circle. I mean, and I was able to talk about, you know, just the history of biological warfare, just all these different things that eight-year-olds and 12-year-olds may not necessarily know. <laughs> so they got the full brunt of um, the public health lessons since I wasn't out there. <laughs> you know I mean I probably didn't do a full lesson but you know what I mean I I I just was able to help appease because my son I could tell he was getting anxious about the mask and all of that and I was able to just be like you know you just have to remember that you have nothing to fear God will bless you and if you go if you go then you go to heaven and if you stay amen we're here and we have work to do so you know I just tried to really appease their fears and even now I, I think they have come out of it I don't know how stable they are but I feel like they've come out of it a lot better like today my son was wearing a mask and I was like honey why because nobody's wearing we're in Florida you know how that is nobody's wearing a mask anymore really some people are but um he he um went to school I'm asking I'm like honey why do you have on a mask he's like mom you remember somebody hit me in soccer I have a big black and blue eye so I'm like so you're wearing a mask to cover your face not because of protection I was like wow <laughs> you know what I mean so you, you see the different nuances of, of how he's being a little ingenious because he doesn't want everybody how are you doing what happened to your face and da, 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 da. so you know um because he got a huge hit when he was playing soccer and it just it has a little bruise on his eyes so but then you even learn about your children too because I'm like wow you're kind of conscious of that I didn't even think you know like a boy would you know, and I, and I just, I learned so much about my kids. I remember th- there's this one story that came out because during the time I made my child, he wrote a book, like he didn't even know he wrote a book, but he did. So I just need to figure out how to publish it because he loved turtles. So, so many great stories came out of our interaction of being in the same space together. Um, there was one story that came out um, where at night he would just cry and cry and cry. This was early in the pandemic. Um, and he wasn't even at school anymore. And he was just like, cause he's one of the few black children in his class. And so he was crying and crying and crying. And I was like, what are you crying for? We just started, to, so many things came out. Cause I guess we were all together all the time. And mm-hmm. he was just said, mommy and my son, like I am black, but my husband is Indian black. Mm-hmm. So he's not even like kinky really. It's curly. It's right. just very curly, you know? And, but he would have it high and just all these things, you know, it's just fun. So I wouldn't cut it for days, you know, whatever, you know, he could slick it back, you know? So one day he was crying and I was like, what happened, honey? He's like, well, the teachers and the children are, are not the teachers. The children are laughing at me because my hair is so curly and it's so big. And, you know, that story, I don't know if it would have come out, you know, if we weren't just being still as a family you know what I mean like I'm like honey your hair is beautiful that's how God made you and I'm not thinking I'm thinking I'm gonna hear that from my daughter as opposed to my son you know her hair is all curly and you know wild and awesome 
you know, and I just was able to just kind of get that story coming to me from my son, just, and I'm just having to educate him and just, you know, encourage him and inspire him to recognize that that's how he was made. And he's amazing how God made him, you know, and he doesn't have to make excuses for that. He doesn't have to feel bad about that. So what if he's the only one like that, you know, so just, just things like that started coming out during the pandemic. I mean, my daughter was like, you know, just, I'm so overwhelmed doing school at home at school at home. It's not fun. I don't like it. You know, they don't even focus on us. There was even discrimination at home because, you know, when some people had to go back out to school and then you had the option of sending your child, obviously I'm in public health. And I was like, we're not ready for you to go back out to school. I'm sorry. So she was one of the ones doing it online. And then the teachers wouldn't focus on the online students as much that was a struggle for her and you know they would kind of ignore the ones that weren't in class and you know we had to kind of work through that and and I'm like are you sure they're ignoring you and he's like yes I'm not the only one that feels this way and you know so there was that whole dynamic of just 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 a struggle of of, of just being in a, and, and I'm sure a lot of that was also her you know, just wanting to get back out there and wanting to, you know, just be reintegrated. And she's not the biggest extrovert or anything, but she does enjoy, you know, being among her friends and, you know, just being, being out there. But yeah, so just so many little things came through, like in the pandemic, another great thing that happened with, with my, um, my daughter, she started teaching herself piano. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I mean, she had done piano lessons before, but you know, just nothing to the level of, you know, um, you know, really getting serious. And she started just teaching herself piano. She asked me, can you pay for a, a module of something? I was like, no. And then she started getting serious. And I was like, all right, I'll consider it. You know what I mean? So that happened. Another amazing thing that happened was my son, you know, I would be like, sit in front of the, the, the thing and do your homework and focus on class because he was leaving class early every day for two weeks I had no idea and I was sitting there working with him I was like until the teacher texted me what's happening to Matai he's just not here and I'm like no yes he is he's (laughs) I would be like literally right beside the table there's a turtle his turtle tank so he would be lying down on the floor foot cocked up watching and observing his turtle and I'm like, whatever, you know, you got your work done, whatever. You can observe your turtle all you want. And we had like, we, we lost two turtles during the pandemic because they went on the backyard. He had them in the backyard and our patio door blew open and they raced into the backyard and just, you know, camouflaged and we lost them, you know, and we spent hours looking for them. We didn't find them. So he had a, got a new, he had another turtle that he got just as the pandemic, um, you know, it, a little bit into the pandemic. And um, and then he was able to, I put them in an art class, like a little private art class. So he painted the turtles. Um, um, and just before the turtles escaped, he, he said to me, he came to me, mommy, something is wrong with my turtle. And I'm like, honey, there's nothing wrong with your turtle. And he, he kept telling me for weeks, something is wrong with my turtle. And I'm like, mommy. So he, then I said, you know what, just go tell daddy. So he goes and he tells my husband and my husband is working upstairs, not not really paying attention. And then he says, okay, honey, something is wrong with your turtle. What's wrong with your turtle? And my husband is all the facts. Tell me why you think something is wrong with your turtle. So he told him the five things that he thinks is wrong with his turtle. So my husband gets online, which is an awesome thing that happened in the pandemic, gets online, finds a vet in Colorado or somewhere 
and you know he's describing what my son told him about the turtle and um then he says gail just take the phone downstairs and show the vet the turtle the vet was blown away he said your turtle is unfortunately going to die in a week he had some major condition that he needed an operation that would be like twelve hundred dollars um even and with the operation there was no guarantee he would live and and I am blown away. First of all, I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't listen to my son. But the vet was like, oh my gosh, how old are you? Are you seven? How did you know this was wrong with your turtle? Are you going to be a vet? And my husband is like, nope, I'm going to be a soccer player. And I'm going to be a, 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 what he said, a biologist, but that deals with animals. I want to study animals. I don't want to deal with hurt animals. He's all telling the vet all these things. And, and he's like, you did all." Honey, I'm so proud of you because definitely there was something wrong with your turtle. And thank you for stepping up and telling your, your dad. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying is just like so many great stories came from the family stories that came. And there were bad family stories too. You know, the vaccine, non-vaccine divide, you know, that whole drama. Yeah. In my opinion as a public health professional, but yet still... You know, me also as a, a child of God and just just so many dynamics. I I am one of those people that I I vaccinated my children only after they were six months of being breastfed. So I and I don't know if I would do it again, you know, necessarily. Maybe I would. So there was that whole vaccination divide with the family. There was a lot of, you know, drama. And, well, I'm not going to be close to you and don't come to my house. You know, like it was all of that drama going on as well. And then as a public health professional, they're, they're like, okay, you're an, I'm an individual first with choices that I make before being a public health professional. You know what I mean? And so... Anyway, it was this whole drama with that. So there were just a number of different things that came out. And of course, because of the stress of, of, of seeing people die, not only people who are close to you. I mean, people in our church family were dying. I mean, my, my friend, she's all of 29 or whatever. She lost her mom, who was like barely 50 something. Just so many things happening around us in the world. People not having water. I have a friend who works in different, you know, areas and with poverty in the Caribbean as well as, you know, overseas. And it's just, you know, she, she promotes, um, you know, um, infrastructural development for the Caribbean. And it was just hearing some of the stories and seeing and reading and just dealing with just the loss of, and the pain of, 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 of us as a people all over the world experiencing this pandemic. It was, it was just heart wrenching. And it was just, I, I feel like I was just constantly on my knees. You know, I was just like, okay, God, I'm just praying for our world. I mean, we had so many family prayers where we're just praying for the pandemic. We're praying for each other. We're praying for all those who had losses. But you know what? I just feel like, you know, one day, you know, you have all these political things, the governor saying, do this, the governor, you know, like all these things going on. But I, I truly felt like during the midst of it that I did have a lot of the fruits of the spirit. I did. I was pained and compassion for the pain and the loss, but I also had so much peace after struggling through the dynamics of, you know, what I told you about, not, you know, and then. I had so much joy just in being with my family and just being present and being able to still connect with your family and 
um, you know, there was just just so many blessings that I feel like that still came out of it in spite Mm of pain and the drama and the turmoil of um, being enclosed. I had a huge backyard that my kids could go in. Um, we have coconut trees, all these trees and stuff around the neighborhood kids played like they were like, this is the best summer ever. And, you know, of course, we were like, wait, no, you need to be in your house. But then the kids would just want to come out. So they'd be playing in the yard and kicking the soccer ball and all these things. And you're like, wait, we don't know where they went. We don't know their belief. <laughs> like so all these things and, and dynamics happening. And you just are just like, you know what, at some point, I just have to trust God. And I just have to believe that, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And those of us who are going to go are going to go and, you know, and who are, has, will stay, will stay with a purpose in mind. And mm-hmm. so I think, yeah, that was pretty much a lot of my journey in a nutshell. My husband still works from home, so that's good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And it just kind of recharged me in a sense of that scripture that says to whom much is given much is expected and so now I just was able to write my I have a I I, during the pandemic I also started I sell just I sell products healthcare products Mm -hmm. and I was doing was um I was I was I was doing you know healthy eating for 10 days or whatever so I ended up starting a fast and then that fast turned into a, a fasting journal so I just finished my fasting devotional that I just wrote um me and some friends we started this stem this mobile museum um where we basically take space space education in a museum to elementary school kids it's like in a in a 54 foot trailer mm. and it's like decked out like NASA in that sense so we take that so we started right before the pandemic and we were about to go under and by God's grace we made it so now we're trying to wrap that up again and that's what I kind of did you know when I stopped working as a professor full-time um I started these you know PTA present all these different things I'm like wait I'm not getting paid for these things so anyway I had to ramp it up in different ways so I just finished my fasting devotional which was truly an inspiration I think from the pandemic and just building my relationship with God during that time so I didn't you know so I just felt grounded in what I was doing and my process and my journey um we started ramping up our little it's called intergalactic adventures our little um venture again so we're going out to schools and then we have a virtual as well as a non-virtual um i'm selling my health products which actually did super well during that time of the pandemic because obviously people needed to boost their immune system um and then i started teaching again so it's like i'm a stay-at-home mom but wait i feel like i'm way more busy than when i was a professor i'm like what's happening here plus i have the family i have there's no you know i'm it i'm the maid and my husband's son is like yeah mom you can you can be the maid i'm like boy slap you (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) I mean so you have all of those different dynamics going on and so it's definitely been keeping me busy but I think after now that the pandemic is at the space in the space that it's in I just feel supercharged and that I really have to take that scripture to heart and and remember that to whom much is given much is expected so you really have to to use the talents that you've been given and and make a difference in that in that you know, a difference. And so that's, that's where I am now, just really recharged, rejuvenated. I don't think, you know, I definitely didn't come out of the pandemic depressed or anything like that. I, during the pandemic, I was sad and, and, but there's, there's, I don't know if you know, but there's a scripture that I just really, I held on to during the pandemic. And it says, 
you know, there's a scripture that says bear each other's burdens, but then it, it also, the scripture, other scripture says, cast your cares on him. So I truly didn't hold those burdens. I truly just gave them back to God and allowed him to take care of them because I know that he loves each of us in a way that we, no matter how much we think we love each other, we can never love each other like that. And so for me, those scriptures, I just really held firm to so that I could, so I felt like I, I was in the pandemic sad, but at the same time, not depressed, like, you know, sad, but just for our nation, as a, for our country, for our world as a whole, but just, you know, coming out of it, just recharged, wanting to really just continue making a difference and use a little time that we have on earth to do the best we can, you know? Yeah. I'm curious. You have a strong faith in God. And so a lot of people said that God would protect them from the virus. And so is that... So can I ask you if you got vaccinated or is it, or if that's too much to ask? Oh, so I did not get vaccinated throughout the pandemic, but when my aunt died, um, I, I told my mom, I'm not against vaccinations. I promoted my mom's, my mom and dad getting the vaccination, but me personally, that's just one of the things that I wouldn't for on the forefront do. Everybody knows that about my life. I mean, I can actually read something I sent to my family, um, that about the vaccination that they were it was a whole drama that I got you know um yeah I'd love to hear it because you're the first um devout Christian I've spoken to who's open about who's open about their their Christianity so I'd love to hear the no and so don't get me wrong I I didn't take the vaccination the whole time and I said you know what I'm not on the front line. I really don't need it. Right. I'm, I'm at home. I'm good. You know? And so I didn't take it, not because I didn't think it was valuable or valid or anything. I'm just not the first to put drugs into my body or anything like that. That's just my nature. I had my kids. I had two kids. I had them naturally. I had no drugs when I was taking my kids. That's just my MO as an mm-hmm. individual. Um, I can send you that thing. So, um, But anyway, so that's just my MO. So I said to my husband, my husband has high blood pressure and all these other risks. So I said, honey, please don't, because he knows me. I'm just like militant, helpers, always. And I said, go take it because you are at risk. You know, I I mean, I don't have any of those health conditions that you have. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have any of those things. So go take it. So he's like, no, babes, I'm not comfortable taking it yet. So when I was actually, when my aunt passed and I was going to be around a lot of family, I actually took the vaccine that Monday and I ended up not being able to travel to Jamaica because my passport expired and I had no clue. But I, it didn't matter because on that Monday I was totally at peace. A friend of mine had the vaccination. I was no stress. I didn't have to join a line. I didn't, I just walked into the office, took it left. You know, it was just, so, and I already made a decision that I was going to take it. So I was not going to I was not doing it for right reasons, wrong reasons, because I was pressured, blah, blah, blah. I knew that eventually I, I had no problem taking it. But on the in the beginning, I didn't see a need when I was home primarily all of the time. Um, so I didn't I didn't take it. And then the, to, the, to address the other issue about, you know, vaccination, whether they're Christian or not Christian, vaccination and Christian, that's not the issue, because I truly feel as a Christian that um, God will protect me. The scripture says I will, that he is not going to promise us that we're not going to have trouble. We will have trouble. But what God, God does promise us that he will be with us every step of the way during that trouble. So I have nothing to fear. So whether, and when we did get COVID and it was, my aunts were sending stuff from all Jamaica and all these things and 
And honestly, all I did is I slept. And I and it was before I got the vaccinations. Everybody at church and everything were like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be around you because you're not getting the vaccination. And then finally we got COVID. So we got a, a vaccination <laughs> getting COVID, right? Um, and my husband, by that time, he had decided to get the vaccination. It was just me now that hadn't, and our, our kids had gotten COVID because the first week my daughter went back to school, she got COVID from a, 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 um, somebody and brought it home. And then, um, so we all got it. And then I got it the most obvious. I was just affected the most, but I mean, all I was affected with was that I was sleeping and I didn't want to eat that. that and my sense of smell was heightened. You know how they say it gets taken away. No, 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 no. Mind opposite. <laughs> I could smell everything. I could taste everything. It was just crazy. Anyway, but um, so if I eventually got it and my husband got it way earlier than maybe a year before I got it. Um, and our kids didn't get it because I they got COVID. So I'm just like, I don't see a need for them to to get it at this point because they have, you know, autoimmunity. I mean, immunity from getting COVID. So and it's not something that I'm going to run to do with my kids. And I'm very open about that. There's nothing I don't see a need right now. Um, but as a public health professional, I would definitely promote um, getting vaccinations and, you know, um, um, but that's just me. My MO is that if I can do without the drug or without that process, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. But there are just some certain things, poorly. just there's certain things that I think is valuable in a vaccination. So for me, when I had my kids, I was like, I'm not getting, don't tell me about the vaccination, but I eventually got it after six months of giving them breast milk. And then mm. I felt more, okay. You know what I mean? So so this thing about, you know, getting the vaccination, Christian, no, 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 no. Everybody makes their decision and I believe that God will protect us no matter what. And just because we die doesn't mean that we weren't protected. You know, God still loves us. He still cherishes us. He still, um, he knows what we need more than, you know, what we think we need. You know what I mean? And he, and I, I have a faith that trusts in his process for my life, no matter what. I had conversations with my children about death and I do all the time. And I tell them that I do not fear death because I know based on what I read and what I, what I, how I live my life, that God promises us that we will be with him, you know, if we choose to obey him and follow his commandments. And if they don't, then there are consequences, you know? So anyway, but that's a whole nother, you know, type of talk. No, thank you for clarifying that. Cause you know, like there's a lot of, like, especially in New York, a lot of agnostics or atheists. And so the clarification is not that God will protect us from the virus, but that God will be there to comfort us if we get the virus. Right. And if we don't okay. get it there as well, you know, because then there's some people who don't get the virus and they live in constant fear and it's like, they can't do anything and they're crippled. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So, okay, so what? You've been protected, so now what? You know what I mean? Like, you're still mm -hmm. fair, and you do. So my point is that, you know, you could get it, you could not get it. It's about, for me, your journey. If, if you are a believer, your journey with God, to know that you are going to be at peace, no matter whether you've gotten it or haven't, because God will be, be with you to protect you and guide you every step of the way, whether you've gotten it or not gotten it. And if you haven't gotten it, there's nothing to walk around tripping predacious or fearful about because God, God's got you you know that that's just truly my faith journey you know in terms of how I live my life you know thank you this has been so enlightening just to hear from you as a public health professional as a resident of Florida as a Christian as someone who went to Jamaica I would love to go to Jamaica 
sometime soon. This has just been a wonderful hearing your, your experience. Thank you for just taking the time to do this. I think this is a wonderful venture that you're doing. It's just so amazing to just be able to capture stories of people, you know, because even though I am, you know, not not necessarily disadvantaged in that sense, you know, but just being just having a responsibility to that disadvantage, those who are disadvantaged in that way, way, I literally have rethought my career. I told my husband, you know, just recently, I said, you know, I'm giving the kids a few more years <laughs> and then like it's I'm going back and I'm going to focus and I know the research I want to focus on. I know everything that I want to do when I get, go back and give back and I know for me too, one of the things that totally got me through is Hamilton. I think I watched Hamilton every single day. Okay. Like my kids know every song in Hamilton. We bought a book. We started reading Hamilton, you know, like it was awesome because it was such a time of just being able to bond. It was such great music. I mean, there were bad words in there and I was like, okay, don't say the bad words, (laughs) but it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful process of just allowing us to heal like it was just such a great to the point where as a public health professional like I'm literally thinking about different angles that I want to contribute in based on Hamilton you know like I'm like no we have got to divide you know or or, or, or politics from our public health system I'm just like enough is enough we cannot go through what we went through in the pandemic again so I just have all these views now you know and just things that I am a lot more passionate about in terms of making changes when I um you know when my kids have gotten a you know a little bit older and I'm you know like I'm really I really have great ideas about moving forward in terms of if, if I'm given the opportunity God's willing to really make those type of differences as a public health professional professional as I move forward I think the first step for me was just writing down my journey in my fasting journey and how that helped my deepen my faith and just help me get through um, the challenges of, you know, all the struggles that we went through during that time, you know, so, so yeah. Oh, this has been an honor, Dr. Young, (laughs) talking to you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And I can't wait to uh, visit you at some point. I don't know when. Of course. You just have to do it. You can't like... You just have to do it, you know, like if you, you just have to be intentional and be like, you know what, I have this break or I'm going to take this break and I'm just going to go, you know, you just, yeah. you know, coordinate and just make sure everybody's available and you should just do it when we go to Jamaica. Jamaica is way more fun, you know, because I go to Jamaica every week. As I said, we've been to Jamaica every Christmas. We haven't missed a Christmas with pandemic and all. Thank God. But no, I think we did miss. When did the pandemic? It was 2020. Mm-hmm. And then 2021. Was Jamaica closed? They were closed in 2020 because Aunt, um, Aunt Marlies was stuck here. 2020. But by the end of 2020, they opened back up. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so no. We had just come back from Jamaica and I was reading about all this pandemic stuff. And then and then by 2020 in the in. Yeah, we I think we went back. Okay. Yeah, went back. So hold on a second. Hold on, my son is home. Hold on. Okay. Come and say hi to Auntie Sonia. Oh. Uh, come, say hi. That m- Matai? <gasps> He's so big! 
Ty, I remember I met him when he was two years old or three. Probably. Wait, how old? In 2014 for the family reunion. He was one. Oh! <laughs> he was one. He was one, yeah. So Great. big. He's so big now. He's like maybe up to my shoulders. Oh my gosh, Gail. So, I know. No more, <laughs> no more babies. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm short. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, thank I'm you. So proud of you, honey bunny. So awesome. So what do you plan to do with these now again? So I will reach out to museums and I, so I've been talking to friends. I said I can reach out to the Schomburg for their archives, the Smithsonian Museum of African-American History and Culture. A friend told me also there's a, a National Folklore Museum. So I'm asking my friends about the best, um, the best place to store them. And maybe, but I, yeah, I want these to be in an oral history in a museum archive. Oh, nice. And I forgot to answer the question for you about ethnicity. So if you want to add it um, quickly, like I, I identify as black and mm-hmm. um, my ethnicity is definitely, I would say Jamaican Caribbean. So I am by my ethnicity as you know black you know I feel like I'm I'm not black American I am black Caribbean you know what do you need yeah I'll I'll let you go Gail of course thank you so much for your time and I'll be in touch darling be in touch all right bye Bye. I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew and this is Black America and COVID an oral history project.